0: Good morning church. Um, as Leon said, my name is Pastor Drew and welcome to church. Uh, we, I love getting to hear all those kids' voices uh, on a Sunday morning. Uh, it's one of the things that I miss the most about doing virtual church for so long? I miss seeing you adults. Don't feel like we didn't care about you two, but we love to hear those kids' voices. So if you feel like your kid is being extra loud out here, remember that is A-OK. Uh, I've got four kids. I'm sure that one of them is going to be extra loud at some point this morning, and I know that you will love them uh, completely, so please feel free to let your kids Be kids this morning, uh, and we value them as part of the church. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up or on your bulletins to John 15. We'll go through verses 9 through 17 uh, for for the sermon this morning. And we'll start in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. You keep my commands. You will remain in my love. his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. May all say thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word. We say it collectively as a church on Sunday. We say, this is the word of the Lord. And then we all say, thanks be to God. In our hearts, we are grateful. And I pray that you would grow our gratitude to you for the Bible. I pray that this morning we would further our walk towards submission to your word and your, uh, in in your teaching of what it is to be loved by you and to love one another. Holy Spirit, convict us of sin. We are people that want to continue growing, and that means being honest about our sin and being repentant of it. So, Father, grow us by giving us repentant hearts as the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And, Father, we pray for our church during this unique time. We pray for those that are hurting. I just got text yesterday uh, from some member of our church who had lost his job, and I pray that you would. Uh, Help that member and help others who are going through difficult times, whether it's employment or financially or housing or relationally. And may your kingdom come in English Avenue in Vine City on the west side of Atlanta as it is in heaven. And, Father, give us courage, give us wisdom to be the hands and feet of Christ to the members of the church as well as the community around us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the ways that we can love others as you, as you have loved us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, I want you to think, as we look at this text, I want you to think of the television shows or the movies that you were drawn to as a child. For our more seasoned folks in the crowd, this may be happy days. It may be Cheers. It may be Sanford and Son. It may be The Wonder Years. It could be Good Times, or one of my personal favorites from growing up watching it with my dad. I love Lucy. Any I love Lucy fans in the crowd? For the kids, this may be Sesame Street or Daniel Tiger, DT for short. In our house, the guy's an all-timer. Paul Patrol, PJ Mask, my favorite little Owlette. For folks that are my age in their, I'd love to say mid-30s, but I just transitioned to late-30s, maybe it was the movie Sandlot, or shows like Boy Meets World. Anybody remember that? Living Single, Fresh Prince, Wonder Years, Martin, or A Different World. Or maybe more recently, it's been Scrubs, or New Girl, or Entourage, or Parks and Rec. And yes... I do see the irony that Pastor Mack referenced Fireproof last week, and I just referenced Entourage and Scrubs this week, but here's where we are today. Or maybe more recently, it's been shows like Stranger Things, or one that I just got into, The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. And I want you to ask yourself, as I asked myself this week, when I thought about these shows, what was I drawn to in these shows? We were all drawn to something, and maybe it was a different show for you, but what were we drawn to when we were kids, and heck, what are we still drawn to with some of these shows as adults? Yes, these shows made us laugh. Yes, they entertained us. Yes, they had great opening songs. If we played the music to Fresh Prince right now, I guarantee you at least 80% of you could say every word to that song. It is still good today. But I think that what drawed us in, what drew us into these shows and what draws us still in today is the relationships, the relationships displayed on these shows and more pointedly the friendships between the characters. A few weeks ago I watched The Sandlot with my kids and in case you're curious it is still so good. The story, if you've had your head in the sand pun intended there, if you haven't seen it is about a young boy, probably 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, who moves to a new town, and there's two weeks left in the school year. So he complains to his mom he's not going to have any friends over the summer. Well, there's a group of about eight boys, and these eight boys from this town, they play baseball every day in this kind of beat-up old baseball diamond that they call the Sandlot. And their ringleader, their best player, is a guy named Benny... Come on, who remembers? Benny the Jet. Benny the Jet is their best player, and Benny the Jet reaches out to that new kid that's kind of awkward and uncomfortable and kind of nervous, kid named Smalls, and welcomes him into his crew. Though Smalls is awkward, though Smalls stinks at baseball, though Smalls is out of touch with what is cool for kids his age. And even though he has a ridiculous grandma hand-me-down hat that he wears to their first practice, Benny the Jet welcomes him in. Benny the Jet is honest with him even about that hat. One of my favorite lines in the movie, is says, Benny looks at uh, Smalls and says, Hey, Smalls, you got a fireplace? And Smalls says, Yeah. And Benny says, Why don't you put that hat in that fireplace? But not only is he honest about it, but then Benny pulls out a hat from his back pocket and says, you can have this one. Gives him one of his best baseball hats. The movie goes on to develop these friendships as they meander through summer together. And I remember thinking as a 10-year-old boy in 1993 and as a 37-year-old man, when we watched this about a month ago, I remember thinking, looking at those nine boys saying, I want what they have. I want more of that friendship, more of that loyalty, more of that deep concern and joy that they experience. And it's not just kids' movies and kids' shows. When we think about the most popular shows over the last 20 years, the Seinfeld, the Living Single, the Friends, uh, Martin, we loved and longed for friendships like these my brother and I when we were growing up. We watched a ton of Martin for whatever reason. It didn't really culturally connect with our childhood a ton, but we loved Martin and we would watch it. Uh, we kind of sneak away in the afternoon sometimes and watch it. And I remember when I thought back to these shows, I can remember Martin and Cole and Tommy uh, kind of, you know, Martin being in a mess, making Gina all upset, and Tommy and Cole coming alongside him and being friends to help him get out of that mess. I remember sitting there thinking at the same time, I don't understand what's going on, but looking back at that, I remember thinking, I want to have an apartment next to theirs. I want to be friends with them. And maybe you can think of a time in your life where you longed to be included. A time in your life where maybe you were new, maybe you moved... Schools or moved towns or started a new job, or maybe you are. I came to a new church, maybe you're this feeling this right now at Redeemer. Gosh, these people really seem to know each other and like each other. How can I get some of that? I can still remember transferring high schools midway through my freshman year. After Christmas break, not at the beginning of the year when everybody is new, but after Christmas break, transferring to a new high school my ninth grade year, and I felt just fine during the first four periods, but then I got to lunch and I walked in and everybody had their spot and I didn't know where to go. And that feeling, that longing to be included is a normal feeling that all of us have, but it is something that I want us to be attuned to this morning. Throughout the Bible, the Lord is describing his relationship to his people. He's helping us understand his love, his kindness, his commitment to his people. And it's so overwhelmingly beautiful that he has to use multiple illustrations and analogies. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about him being, Christ being the good shepherd. We look back at Psalm 23. We see from Hebrews that he's the great high priest, he's the cornerstone of the church. He's the Lamb of God, and though this side of heaven we will never fully grasp God's love for us, these roles, these illustrations help us have a better understanding of how much He cares for us. And now in this chapter in John 15, just before what I read, John has, used, uh, has, has shared with us the illustration that Jesus used being the vine and the branches, And this helps them and helps us understand the connection of what it is with Jesus being the vine and us being the branches, what it means for us to be connected to Christ and abide in Him. The way He loves us changes us, and therefore we grow and we go and bear fruit that comes from being connected to that vine. And with this analogy, with all of these analogies, whether it's Father Child, shepherd, sheep, priest, parishioner, there is a deep, deep love, but there's also, in a way, some level of comfort that we have that there is a distance between the two. I'm not saying that the Father's love that he he talks about in the Bible is not unbelievably beautiful and perfect, or the perfect priest to his parishioner, or the perfect shepherd to his sheep. But there does feel like that's a little bit easier to digest than what is going on here. In this passage, it takes a turn in the middle of this chapter, not a bad turn, but a really intimate, somewhat startling, wonderful turn. As Christ continues to give commandments to his disciples, he says in verse 12, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one, than, no, thing, no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then Jesus makes a breathtaking claim that should shake us to his core. He looks at them and looks at us as Christians and says, You are my friends. I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Brothers and sisters, let this sink in. The Christ, the Messiah, the Word, the great High Priest, the Good Shepherd. He looks at you and I, and He says, you are my friend. He says your name and says, I choose you. I choose to be in relationship with you. And what does this actually mean? Is it just a warm and fuzzy idea? But no, we see from the scriptures of what a true friend is. We see from this passage that a true friend, Jesus, is a friend that would lay down his life for you. We know from Proverbs 17, 17 that a friend loves at all times. So Christ is the one that sees you in your sin and still chooses to love you. Jesus is the friend, not just the father, not just the good, God is not just the father, Jesus is not just the good shepherd, but Jesus is the friend that sees you when no one else sees you in your sin and still says, I choose to be your friend. We doubt this even with our closest relationships. Some of you lost your temper at your children this morning on the way to church and Jesus looks at you at the worst moment you had this morning and says, I choose to be your friend. Some of you have things that you've done, or this week or this month in your past that you have questioned, if as someone knew about this, if the person in the square next to me, if the person on the couch sitting at home next to me who calls me friend, but if they knew about this, would they still choose to be my friend? And Jesus is the one who lives this out perfectly. He goes on in Proverbs eighteen twenty four: A friend six closer than a brother. He promises to never leave you or forsake you.
1: Jesus is that friend
0: that's 100% loyal. When we think about the disciples, the ones that walked alongside Jesus, that every one of them was going to abandon him as he led, as he headed to the cross. Every one of them was going to deny Christ in one way or another, yet what did Jesus do after he was resurrected? Jesus, in his friendship, went to the disciples and reminded them of his love for them. Jesus is the epitome of Proverbs 27 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Jesus' commandments. His heartfelt advice is the perfect friend to you. He's being the perfect friend to you. All of these things are true, What I want you to see from this passage is that though Jesus is all of these things, he does all of these things as a good friend would do, gives advice, is loyal to you, I want you to see even more than that, that Christ loves to be with you.
1: In this passage, we see that Jesus is a
0: a companion to you, like a friend who is genuinely interested in how your day is. Like a friend who genuinely longs to just sit and watch a movie with you. The friend that texts you on a Friday and says, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I just want to hang out together with you. We so often, especially in the West, when we think about Christianity and think about Jesus, we have turned Jesus solely into a boss that we are called to follow. And he is that. A father that we're called to submit to. And, he, and God is that. But I want you to understand that he is also a companion that loves to be with you. But this is tough to truly sink in. And I think one of the reasons it's tough to sink in is because, if we're honest, we, in our earthly friendships, there have been times when someone has called you friends but then has let you down at one point or another. There are points where you have looked at somebody and loved them well in your understanding and eyes, but that friendship maybe was reciprocated for a season and then they walked away from you. You said, I choose you, and immediately or over time, that person said, I do not choose you back. And this is hard because there is a connection between our earthly experiences, what we experience relationally, and how we understand God to be. For example, if you had a difficult time with your father, if your father-to-son or father-to-daughter relationship was strained or is strained, it does make an impact on how well you understand the Father's love for you. It, helps, it, it makes it a hurdle for you to get over that the Holy Spirit can and will work in your life to help you understand God's love for you, but recognize that that earthly disconnect between your earthly father has an impact and is something to really lean into if you receive a message over the course of your life from your peers that there is something odd or, invo- or not valuable about you as friend you may read this passage where Jesus says to the disciples and to us I choose you and it feel- you feel like the outside looking in You feel like you're watching Jerry and Elaine or Phoebe and Rachel or Khadija and Sinclair and thinking, gosh, that sounds nice for them, but what about me? Well, if that is the case with you, I I want you to hear from me that although other friends may have failed you, you have my word and the word from Scripture that Jesus never will. And I want you to really do the hard work this week and exercise this week to help this to sink in. I want you to go back over the course of your life and think about the three or four times maybe that stand out where someone has failed you and think through what, looking back, if Jesus was that friend, what would, how would he have walked alongside you and not failed you in that moment? And this is hard work, and even as I was preparing this week, I said, if I'm going to ask them to do this, I'm going to have to do this as well. And I thought back to 8th grade Drew, who I guess was around 12 years old, and I tried out for the basketball team, which was a long shot, being about 85 pounds and five, feet, five foot two, And I didn't make it, but my best friend at the time, who we'd grown up together, he made the basketball team. But not only was I jealous that he was kind of getting to play on the team and be welcomed in, he got his jersey, they had you know, special lunches for them, I also remember that we kind of had a fork in the road with our friendship at that time. And, you know, I recovered. I'm so thankful for the wonderful friendships the Lord has given me in my life. But it was good for me to look back on that and say that stung and that hurt. And something that I've kind of pushed into the side for years and decades at this point. It was good for me to say, what would Christ, how would Christ have reacted to me in that moment? And there's some of you who have experienced hurt and pain this year as 45-year-olds or 28-year-olds. And I want you to recognize that Christ longs for you to process that with him. For you to remember who he is as friends, even when our earthly friends may fail us. But just like our experiences with people on earth can negatively impact our understanding, our ability to understand Jesus as friend, I want you to also see that God uses the body of Christ to help the truths of Scripture truly sink in. Dallas Willard, in The Divine Conspiracy, he says that making people, that people growing in their relationship with Christ consists of bringing people to believe with their whole being the information they already have as a result of their initial confidence in Christ. Let me say that again. Bringing people to believe with their whole being the information they already have as a result of their initial confidence in Christ. What he's saying here is that when we become a Christian, we know in our minds that Jesus loves us, that he cares for us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. But we will spend the rest of our lives, the next, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years Letting that reality through the work of the Holy Spirit sink into the depths of who we are. We know that Jesus loves us, yet we don't know that Jesus loves us. We know that Jesus cares for us, yet it's a struggle to believe that Jesus truly cares for us. Well, friendships are one place where we live out this information that we already know to be true. For what we believe turns into what we do. In friendships, we have the opportunity to speak God's truth of who someone is, but also how we love them. In essence, Jesus' friendship with us informs our friendships with others, and our friendships with others remind us of Jesus' loving friendship with us. And let me be clear, the friendships with others cannot replace our friendship with Jesus. If you try to use friendships to replace that hole that only Jesus can fill, it will make a mess of you and make a mess of your friendship. So don't do that. But remember that our friendships with others can remind us of Jesus' loving friendship with us. And one of the best examples in my life that you also know is a gentleman at the church who's here today, a guy named Malik Hurd. So Malik and I have been friends for about five or six years, and through Malik, as I thought about this, on who teaches me the most about Jesus' friendship with me, Malik was near the top of the list. And you may know Malik because Malik is the one that gave the jokes when we did the virtual service. Malik is often greeting you on a Sunday morning with a friendly face uh, and a big smile. But what I've learned from Malik is that Malik, what Malik lives out is a genuine care For me and for so many of you, it has nothing to do with what you can do for him. What I see from Malik and what I see from so many of my friends, but when I'm thinking about him in particular, when when we would office down at the other building, Malik would often stop by on his way to work or his way to work out. And Malik would just stop in, not with anything for us to do for him, but just to simply check in to see how we were doing. Malik would ask about my kids and ask about my wife. And in those moments, what he displayed to me was a reminder that Christ not only loves me and does things for me, but Christ also longs to just be with me. You see, through Malik and through the rest of our friend, God teaches us and better reminds us of the value we have through the eyes of Christ. And in that love from friends like Malik, we are reminded of the Lord's love for us. In Malik's friendship, I'm reminded that Jesus is my Savior, but he's also interested in my day-to-day life. That Jesus is my Messiah, but he also loves to spend time with you and I. And that Jesus, the Son of God, is not only willing to pick up the phone when I call, but is often the one who stops by and checks in on me First, So when we think about this passage, think about the glory of who God is, that he in turn comes to us and offers friendship. But also look around to say, how am I reminded of Christ through my friendships with others? And how can I lean in to others to remind them of who Christ is? Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your kindness and generosity and friendship with us. God, I pray that you would continue to bless us with a deeper understanding of your grace and your mercy and your goodness. And may we, in turn, give that away to others. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.